again. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. What is man? What is man? Look at verse 4 again, Psalm 8, 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? We need to get a biblical perspective of man. We need to get a biblical perspective of ourselves and the grand design of things. We need to get a biblical perspective of pride and humility. We need to learn to see pride in our life for what it is and to repent of it as soon as we find it. Self-centeredness is in direct opposition to of the biblical perspectives of lowliness and others-mindedness. Self-centeredness is in direct opposition of the biblical perspectives of lowliness and others-mindedness. It's not supposed to be about us. It's supposed to be about others. It's not supposed to be about us. It's supposed to be about Christ. It's not supposed to be what we could get. It's supposed to be how we could serve others. Our minds shouldn't be wrapped around, centered on us, wrapped around us, thinking about us all the time. It should be thinking about the Lord, thinking about how we could serve others, thinking about how we could serve in general. Life is not about self. Life is not about self-centeredness. Life should be about the Lord, seeking the Lord's will, doing the Lord's will, and seeking how we can help others and live for others. Other-mindedness, not self-centeredness, is how we should be thinking, is how we should be living our life. Christians, as well as non-Christians, are deceived by the wicked one and his devices in this area of pride. We need to get a proper view of ourselves in relation to others, we need to get a proper view of ourselves in relation to God. And we need to get a proper view of ourselves in relation to ourselves. We cannot be thinking about ourselves all the time. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. This proper view involves what is quite contrary to our old sin nature. This proper view involves voluntary humility toward both God and man. And doing so with the right motives and the right reasons. If done with the wrong motives... We are back to wrong thinking again. So what is man that thou art mindful of him? We need to have an appropriate view of self. A proper view would be to recognize that we are so totally dependent on God and we are totally unworthy before him. Let's read again Psalm 8, 1-4. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, and thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest 
him. We are so desperately wicked and totally incapable of anything worthwhile in God's eyes on our own apart, apart from him. John 15, 5-6 I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. There is nothing you have accomplished. There is nothing you possess. There is nothing you will accomplish. There is nothing you will possess that you could take credit for on your own. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? What is man that thou art mindful of him? We basically have no worth in ourselves apart from God. But God has given us, as believers, a standing we did not earn. And he has given us his love, which we do not deserve. God has given us a standing we did not earn, and he has given us love we do not deserve. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. But God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we are dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. We need to have an attitude of humbleness. In addition to having an appropriate view of self, we need to have an attitude of humbleness. An attitude of humbleness. I see that lacking in a lot of people today. I see that lacking in a lot of young people today. I see no attitude of humbleness whatsoever, but that is desperately needed today. We need to have an attitude of humbleness. We need to serve God with a lowly mindset. We need to see how low we are in comparison to God. And this is why we need to serve him with this in mind. Don't forget how much greater God is than you. Remember, it is an honor and a privilege to serve the King of Heaven. We need to voluntarily place ourselves lower than others and serve with a lowly mindset. In order to get this proper mindset and attitude, you will need to recognize and repent of any and all pride in your life and have a proper view of yourself in comparison to God and others. 1 Peter 5, 5-6 Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. We must say the same thing God says about our sin, and about our sin of pride. We must say the same thing God says about our sin, and about our sin of pride. We must confess it, and we must truly repent of it, in order to get this true, biblical, lowly mindset we need to be living our lives with. Turn with me to Job chapter 42, verses 1 to 6. Job 42, 1 to 6. 
Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful me for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak, and I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by thy hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. Job at that moment had a proper view of self, and his relationship to God, and how he related to God. He said, I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. Do we have this same kind of proper view that Job had in this situation in our life? I'd, I would venture to say a lot of us don't have the proper view of self. I venture to say there is a lot of self-centeredness going on. It's not about you. It's about God. You cannot simply acknowledge your sin of pride and think that is enough. You must truly and sincerely see it for what it is and repent of it and forsake it. Abhor yourself for having that sin of pride, repent of it, and forsake of it. George Whitfield, speaking about sin and pride in our life, said this, Before ye speak peace to your hearts, ye must be made to see, made to feel, made to weep over, made to bewail your actual transgressions against the law of God. We need to also have an attribute of humility in our life. As much as pride can be considered an epidemic, humility could be considered an endangered species. Did you hear that? As much as pride could be considered an epidemic, humility could be considered an endangered species. True humility is rare because it is not natural to man. Pride is so abundant because it is natural to man. Only a Christian can learn true, genuine humility and live it with any success. The more we learn humility and the more humble we come, the better our life will be. You can say just as pride is the root of every evil, humility is the root of every virtue. Thomas Brooks, an old Puritan preacher in the 1600s, speaking on pride and humility, said this, Here is a wonder. God is on high, and yet the higher a man lifts up himself, the farther he is from God. And the lower a man humbles himself, the nearer he is to God. There are several Old Testament terms translated humility or humble. They mostly refer to the action of bowing low or crouching down. This is what we should do in our hearts in reference to God and in reference to to others. In the New Testament, there are two words used, one meaning servile, base or groveling, and the other meaning gentle, meek, or yielding. You can get an idea from these meanings what the attitude of our heart needs to be. We need to make ourselves low in comparison to God. We need to make ourselves low in comparison to others. And we need to do it with a meek and a submissive spirit to God. We need to make ourselves low in comparison to God. We need to make ourselves low in comparison to others. And we need to do it with a meek and submissive spirit in our heart. What is man 
that thou art mindful of him. Action and Definition of Humility Action and Definition of Humility Humble people are focused on God and others and not themselves. Humble people are focused on God and others and not themselves. Self-centered people are focused on themselves. Self-centered people think the world revolves around them. Self-centered people expect the world to revolve around them. Self-centered people expect things to just be handed to them. They don't expect to have to work. They think everything is about them. But humble people are focused on God and others and not themselves. They have no need to elevate themselves above others. A humble person's goal is to elevate God and encourage others. They have a servant's mindset, a mindset of Christ. They have a pursuit for the recognition and the exaltation of God and not themselves. They desire to please God in all things. They desire to please and help serve others in any way they can. They desire to please God in all things and by all the things he has seen fit to bless them with. Admirable examples of humility. Let's take a look at a few admirable examples of humility. Abram. Abram gave Lot the first choice of the land when they needed to part company. Genesis chapter 13. Moses, it was said of him, Now the man Moses was very meek, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Numbers 12, 3. John the Baptist. John the Baptist acknowledged his position of lowliness before Jesus in Luke 3, 16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than, than I cometh. The latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Mary, the mother of Jesus, submitted herself completely to God. We see that in Luke chapter 1. The great Apostle Paul is perhaps one of the greatest New Testament examples of humility. Paul told the Ephesians elders in Acts chapter 20, 18 and 19, I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Can we say that about ourselves? Do we serve the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears? Do we serve others with all humility of mind? Or do we have what on our mind all about ourselves? Is it about God? Is it about others? Or do we think it should be all about ourselves? The Apostle Paul also referred to himself as the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy 1.15 and as the least of all saints in Ephesians 3.8. We all need to have the same perspective of ourselves as Paul had in Romans chapter 11 verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Now let's take a look at absolute perfect example of humility. The absolute perfect example of humility. Of all the biblical examples of humility, 
The greatest example of humility by far is Jesus Christ, our Savior. The very act of Christ coming to earth was an incredible act of humility. Try to think of all Christ had to forsake in heaven. He had to forsake the glory. He had to forsake the honor. He had to forsake the power. He had to forsake the pure worship. He had to forsake the majesty. To come down to be born a babe in a manger. He was born to suffer. He was born to be mocked. He was born to be falsely accused. He was born to be tortured. He was born to suffer the humiliating death on the cross. All for our sins. What an incredible act and example of humility we have in Christ. Philippians 2, 6-8 Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Have you ever humbled yourself? Have you humbled yourself? Do you need to humble yourself? Christ humbled himself. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Jesus said of himself, I am meek and lowly in heart, Matthew eleven twenty nine. But he also knew how to be firm and to rebuke others. We see that in Matthew chapter 23. Just because you are humble does not mean you are a pushover or that you are timid. You can be humble and be strong. You can be humble and be stern. You can be humble and stand for truth and not be a pushover. Just because you are humble does not mean you are a pushover or that you are timid. Christ was in complete submission to his father's will. We see that in John chapter 8, 28, excuse me, John 8, 28 to 29. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Could we say that? Do we do always those things that please the Lord? Convicting. That's convicting. That should be our goal to be able to say that. I do always those things that please him. Oh, that we could say the same thing that Jesus said. We need to always be striving to do the things that please God. And having pride in our life definitely does not please God. Being self-centered definitely does not please God. Thinking the world revolves around yourself definitely does not please God. We find that Christ became a servant of men and taught his disciples to do the same. See that in John chapter 13. In today's world, we are taught that the person who is first is the greatest. But Jesus taught us that the least is the greatest. Mark chapter 10, 43 to 44. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. This means the humble person is first in God's eyes and the proud person is last in God's eyes. The humble person is first in God's eyes and the proud person is last in God's eyes. One of Christ's greatest examples of humility 
was in the washing of the disciples' feet. Picture what he did. He put on the servant's towel, got the bowl of water, and washed all the disciples' feet one by one. He washed off the dirt and the sweat of the day. The great creator God washing the dirty feet of the creation. What an incredible example of humility. Christ truly is the greatest example of humility there ever was or there ever will be. He humbled himself to be born a babe in a manger. Almighty God willing to stoop so low for us as to wash the feet of his disciples to set an example of servitude and humility. But this was not his greatest act of humility. His greatest act of humility was yet to come. His crucifixion and death on the cross was his greatest act of love and humility, all for the benefit of man, just because he loved us, not because of anything we did or could do, but just because he loved us. Now, answering what is man? We've been asking that question over and over again. What is man if thou art mindful of him? Now, let's answer that. What is man? Hebrews 2, verse 6. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? What is man anyway? What are we in comparison to all of creation? We are just a tiny speck on a tiny speck in a tiny galaxy in a tiny part of space. When you think of how seemingly insignificant man is in comparison to all of creation, you can understand this question. What is man? God was mindful of man before he ever created Adam. God knew he was going to create Adam. God knew every single person who would ever be conceived long before he created man and was mindful of them and loved them already. God loves us very much. All the times he has been with us through trials and tough times, encouraging us, working out circumstances for us, calming our nerves when we needed it, giving us courage when we needed it. All the ways he demonstrates that love for us is hard to comprehend. Christ came down to earth and became a man because he loved us and was mindful of us. Christ, when he lived on earth, showed us what life was meant to be, how humility and subjection to God was the best way to live and the best path to glory and honor. Andrew Murray said, speaking of this passage, his humanity is the revelation of what we can be. His divinity is the pledge we can be it. His humanity is the revelation of what we can be. His divinity is the pledge that we can be it. So in conclusion, what is man that thou art mindful of him? It has been said that if you broke down man into the base elements that he is made of, he would only be worth a few dollars at best. So what is man that God loves us so much and thinks so much of us? Jesus left heaven's glory and came down to earth and became a man. He did not become an angel. Man is God's favorite creation. Man is who God made with his hands. He did not speak us into existence. Man was made in the image of God with God's own hands, and God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. God took special care and love in the making of man. Man is God's cherished creation. 
Man is of himself nothing, but because of God, we are something. Man is of himself nothing, but because of God, we are something. He loved us so much that he was willing to send his own son down to earth to die for our sins as a gift of love for us. All we have to do is accept that free gift of sacrificial love in order to be saved from our sins and on our way to heaven. What is man that thou art mindful of him? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man is loved by God. Man is God's special and cherished creation. Man is who Christ came and sacrificed himself to save. Man is the object of God's infinite love. We need to therefore live in a state of humbleness knowing what we are in comparison to God and others and knowing what God did for us.